0: Hey, how do we talk to our kids about porn?
1: We're so glad that you're here because you're choosing to thrive in your relationship.
2: Guys, welcome to The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert, a Beyond Enough production.
1: Hi, I'm Ashlyn, The Once Betrayed.
2: I'm Kobe, The Once Addicted. And I'm Brandon, The Expert.
1: And he's definitely an expert.
2: You've been working to help couples with their extreme challenges
0: for like 15 years, right? Yeah, a long time. And I'm glad that I'm here with you guys sharing your vulnerable story. And I hope that it helps our listeners as well.
1: Absolutely. And if you need some help getting started, we have a free resource over at beyond-enough.com forward slash step one.
0: And that's one, the number. It provides the first key steps to healing your relationship regardless of how tough things are right now. All right, guys, let's roll. Okay.
2: We're going to jump into this topic that I wish I had when I was a little wee Kobe. Uh, But in the meantime, we're going to just read a quick review. This is called Powerful, actually. And it says, I just found this podcast and I've already listened to a couple, but the episode that won me over was the most, uh, won me over the most was the episode on boundaries versus ultimatums. Truly one of the best decisions I've ever heard around or excuse me uh truly one of the best discussions i've ever heard around that that topic highly recommend thank you very very good uh review pretty interesting how that's that struck home and uh yeah anytime you guys uh hear something that you like love to hear you rate and review the podcast
1: yeah and i'm glad the boundaries helped because that is one messy topic that um, is that we actually spend an entire module on for our program shattered trust to thriving intimacy okay I'm excited. We have uh, Dina uh, Alexander with us. She is the founder of um, some of my favorite books out there. Um, 30 Days of Sex Talks is the ones that we love and use and keep in our car. Um, but she's here to talk to us today and educate us because she's the founder of Educate and Empower Kids, um, which is a great organization determined to help strengthen families by teaching Did de- de- digital citizenship, media literacy, and healthy sexuality in education, um, and education, including the dangers of online pornography. So she's the creator of How to Talk to Your Kids About Pornography and the 30 Days of Sex Talks and 30 Days to a Stronger Child program. She has lots more books as well. Um, she really knows what she's talking about and she makes it really simple for us as parents to step into this, these harder topics um, that really can be beautiful connecting moments with our children um, as an ongoing thing rather than a what's have the one-time talk and we're done. (laughs) Um, So she's really teaching us a lot of skills that um, we learned more in therapy. And so I love when people are bringing what we've had to spend a lot of time and effort and money And they're putting it in something simple that I can take and just um, give to my kids. So um, Dina lives, uh, well, she has her degree from the University of Utah in recreational therapy and her bachelor's from Brigham Young University. She loves being a mom and spending time with her husband and her three kids, and they live in New Mexico. So we're all here remotely, um, as usual, thanks to COVID. And um, we're
3: just happy to have you here. Thank you. I really love being here. So thanks for having me on.
2: This is going to be a great episode one that we've been looking forward to uh personally but uh, I really think if you're listening to this you're going to find some rich content and uh, I think this it, it, if if we do our job I think you'll also maybe be even a little uncomfortable and I hope if that's so. the case that's a great thing that's a really great thing so good to have you Dean honestly
3: thanks
1: Okay. So I want to just start with, um, I was looking in your book, how to talk to um, kids about pornography or 30 days to pornography. What is the actual topic? Okay. It's how to talk how to talk to your
3: kids,
1: <laughs> how do you talk to your kids about pornography? So simple, right? Um, but in the beginning, you have some statistics, and okay, so here's some the science behind it, right? And it says the average age back in 2015 was 11 years old. And for those listening um, who've been here before, Kobe was introduced at what age? Seven. Right. And so yeah. we've often said, well, Kobe is like. I'm so glad I wasn't born now where it's so much more available and to just jump into that. And so I think we have a bigger responsibility as parents because there's so much more out there that is influencing our children and their heads and their beliefs that we can step into that. We can do the hard stuff, especially with the people we love the most, our kids. Yeah. And and have us be the resource. So um, another um, statistic I liked was, not liked, but it stood out as 2009, 42% of adolescents were exposed to porn online and 66% of them described exposure as unwanted. So um, that's something we taught our kids from the go was that even if you're not looking for it, they're looking for you. Um, Kobe and I, when we shared our videos that shared our story, in the beginning, years and years ago, when they put it over on YouTube, they were tagging um, words that went with it, like recovery and uh, marriage and whatever. And the stuff that would pop up right after our video was porn. And so it was like totally defeating the purpose of these videos to bring hope and, and knowledge. And so then they started, okay, we'll use tags like butterflies and you know, unicorns
2: and rainbows. <laughs> guess what
1: happened? Same stuff. And so it was just like, okay, take all the tags off because this isn't serving um, the people that are watching. So it's just-
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, I, I appreciate you mentioning that because it's so important for every parent. It doesn't matter your background, whether you're liberal, conservative, Christian, agnostic, the industry is hunting our kids, no matter what your background or if you're a homeschooler or your kids are in public school or whatever, people have- I have heard every excuse in the world as to why my kids are not going to be exposed supposedly, or I have girls, so I don't need to talk about it. Just, you know, all those notions that maybe worked for our parents are no longer valid or helpful. It's that realizing that, yes, it's an industry that is absolutely hunting our children, just like Coca-Cola, just like Barbie, any other industry that is um, in the business of making money, which is every industry, they're hunting our kids, right? They are, they are allowed to. The law allows for them to market to our kids, um, and there's very little restraint and very little overseership online for um, to stop the porn industry, who, as of course, I'm sure, as you've realized. Um, in recent years has really focused their attention on teenage girls and women uh, because they woke up to the idea that, oh, we have half the population that we can really exploit as well and make money from. And so, again, I I hope parents firmly understand that it's not just for boys, but it's definitely for girls. You were exposed at seven. My daughter was exposed at age eight from another third grade girl at recess. on her recess little, at recess. Oh, yes. So that was go. a,
2: that was the, the quote unquote, you know, schoolyard playground that, that really um, opened my eyes to this whole world that I became fixated on and um, had no idea, had no idea the trajectory that it put me on. Absolutely. But um, looking back, it was, yeah, the, 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 the playground, like on recess was exactly where that happened. I have a I have kind of a quick question. I know you've got a list of questions, Ashlyn, but um, just contextually, from your experience, Dina, uh, what are the what are what is the educational um, message that parents are giving to kids now, and is it enough?
3: Um, the message that I'm still seeing, and it's a little frustrating because it's even my friends that are in healthcare professions. So these are people that I, to me, I have a higher standard of expectation because they have the medical background. They have been taught very openly. They themselves in medical school or nursing school say they, they gave vaginal exams, right? It was in their face. And I see even these parents scared to talk. And it's not just Christian parents. It is my atheist friends, atheist, you know, agnostic. Again, I sometimes, I thought at first when I first started this organization and first started talking about this, oh, this is a Christian issue. I cannot get my my Christian friends to talk about sex. And it was like, I realized, nope, all of my friends from whatever background were just as scared, whatever their, their cultural background, uh, black, white, Latino, Asian, each has their own set of hangups as to what they're worried about talking. And so, and then with all of, you know, all of us have had, um, even if we have had, haven't had betrayal trauma, a lot of us, you think about the backgrounds, right? So mo- most women, so one out of four, some say one out of three women have, has had sexual abuse in her life, one out of five men. So right there, that is a huge percentage of the population that all of us are coming with different stories, different issues and things that make us uncomfortable. That, and that's one of the things I really encourage parents to do as they're starting to think, okay, my child is six or seven, or maybe even younger, or they're realizing, oh, my child is 12, and I haven't had a talk with them yet. I really encourage parents to start thinking about what makes me uncomfortable? What are the topics that make me nervous? And that's why we did divide the books into 30 topics to kind of break them down into these small parts. But it also helps us go, oh, I don't mind talking about menstruation. Oh, puberty, I'm okay with that. I don't really want to talk about orgasm. And so that way you can kind of start to realize the things that you're comfortable and you're not comfortable with because we want you to start where you're comfortable, start where you're okay. Because again, we all have some hang up, We've all have had something happen to us. We've seen something, whether that's in porn, R-rated movies, or maybe we've had a bad experience as a teenager in college that is going to affect the way we approach this. And when we're talking about pornography, again, I think a lot of parents think, well, I covered pornography, so I'm done. Not realizing if you want your kids to understand the light, you have to talk about the darkness too right? So you've talked about the darkness of pornography. Uh, You got to talk about the light as well. You have to talk about those positive, amazing, beautiful opportunities Mm -hmm. there are in sexual intimacy so that they can start building that sexual script so that it's not just, Oh, this is bad. Oh, they said that, Oh, someone's going to pressure me into doing this. If they touch me, that's bad. You know, which I've seen even with little girls who their parents have started out with a good conversation, but they forgot or we're too scared to bring in the good parts of sex.
0: So Dina, I got a question for you. So, so what I'm kind of hearing you say, maybe I'm clarifying is, you know, I can say menstruation, vagina, orgasm, like I can force those words out and say (laughs) those things to my kids, you know? Um, But really it's kind of the energy behind it, right? It's, You know, if I read your book and it's like, okay, like I know I'm supposed to say these things and then I go very awkwardly and uncomfortably and, you know, have this weird talk with my kids, but say all the right words, I'm still not really like helping that much, right?
3: Well, there's two things that you say that. So, yes. So first, like, that's why I say find what you're comfortable talking about. That's why maybe the conversation is just going to be about some of the great marriages that you see in the neighborhood or at church, hey, that's a great relationship, you know, or hey, what do you want in a, in a husband someday? What do you want in a wife? That's the beginning of a sex and a porn talk. So mm-hmm. find that, that space that you're comfortable. And then also you, by the practice, so maybe like <laughs> I just said vagina, you know, whatever, whatever you're nervous about, practice, just <laughs> like any other skill, just like learning to type, learning to cook. You're not going to get it right Right. the first time. You got to practice. You know, and I was most, a lot of us, you know, I was brought up in a home where my mother talked about sex like this, right? (laughs) Even after my parents had an ugly divorce, she was still very positive in talking about sex so that I knew, okay, this is something awesome, okay? And for me personally, it was, okay, this is something I wanted to wait for, I knew I was like, I'm I'm worth waiting for was kind of the message my mom was trying to instill in us. And uh, some of my siblings got it. Some of them were like, you're weird, you know, whatever. You're not going to hit it 100% with your kids, but also you got to practice. And then that way you build that, your, your kids realize, I can, oh, I can talk to mom about that. She said that word, or maybe we made a joke about it, or, you know, oh, maybe we talked about the different words there are for breasts. Oh, mom's, and then it, that mom said it, then it, or dad said it, then it's, it becomes okay. You know, mm-hmm. you real, and then that, again, then you start building those habits. Because I know with my kids, we started talking very young. And then when I got into educate and empower kids and talking about pornography i mean i was realizing my my at that time my 8 11 and 13 year old probably knew more about pornography than all of their friends from the educational side of it right from the media literacy how to read images side of it the academic side of it than anybody else they knew That I remember thinking and having that other conversations of, this is how we're talking about it here, but this is not okay to talk about on the playground, (laughs) right? almost, I can guarantee most of your friends are not talking about it in this context. Please Mm -hmm. do not talk about this. Now, whether they were 100% on that or not, I didn't, I didn't grill into that because to me, it was just more important that they had the right words and the right context of a lot of these things. And so, like I said, you got to practice and there's always a place, always a place you can find that you're comfortable starting.
1: I like that. That sounds very doable, especially if you are in a place listening to this where it all is overwhelming and scary. I have my own stuff wrapped up and I can't bring this out for my kids. Um, I, it sounds doable and I really appreciate that about this, all of this. So, um, my question is, what age do we start? Because I've heard so many different things about this and people get very passionate about it's too young
3: or they're too old now. What do you guys recommend? I recommend as soon as possible. Because again, with parents, I'm seeing this in the hands of eight-month-olds yeah. and two-year-olds. And they can just as easily find porn <laughs> as a 12 year old, uh, just by accident. So if you're, um, pardon me, foolish enough to give a small child this, then you better be talking about it. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be discussing about the academic views of pornography. You don't need to be talking about the hatred that is spewed in pornography or the dominant submission, submissive role in pornography that is often, you don't have to give the feminist view. What you can start out is there, you're going to, at some point, you're going to see pictures of naked people, okay? It's not appropriate. You need to tell me when you see that. Or if you see anything that makes you feel uncomfortable, that gives you an icky feeling, you have to talk on that, that language that a four or five-year-old can understand of, hey, you know, when you maybe see a spider, or maybe you've touched a spider, or you've picked up a spider, or you stepped on one and you had maybe that little bit of an icky feeling. If you see anything, maybe you see somebody on the computer or on TV hitting each other or hurting each other. Please let me know. We need to talk about that. You know, letting your kids know it's going to be out there. They're going to see it on the school bus at scout camp at girls camp at um, church activities at a sleepover. Please don't have sleepovers. Okay. We're so over that. Okay. People in the (laughs) eighties, but all these, you know, there's so many opportunities from the best kids, you know, people thinking my kid would never, I'm like, no, it's all of our kids and they're all good kids. Yeah, They're all good kids being exposed. So letting them just real simple when they're, they're young. And so in that, in whatever language that they need, but it's, it's gotta be just for the little kids. You may like, it's naked people, or they're going to be, or they, maybe they're doing something sexual, and believe me, if they're watching TV or using a phone, they're going to know what you mean. Um, unfortunately, even at that kindergarten age, um, that or or anything that makes you uncomfortable, please tell me, or that that might be it. And then also, as they, if if you gauge that they understand that, then you want to help them know this is pornography. Use the word so that they can name it because they might see it at a vi- they're well, they're going to see it young, whether that's eight, ten years old, they need to be able to name it. Having the name helps us take the fear away from it. Okay. It makes it less of a boogeyman kind of a thing. So I think- why, why is that important though? I think it's important for them to have the words to use to tell you what they saw. Okay. Whether they're saying porn or pornography, they need to have that language to tell you. And again, I know that I remember being at a homeschool conference. Ah. I don't want my child to even know the word pornography, I had this mom say to me. And I was like, yeah, mm. not knowing the word, that's going to protect them, huh? <laughs> yeah. Like, you can say terrorism, and you can say Black Lives Matters, and you can say, you know, all these other movements and things that are happening, but you can't say something that 99% of the population is going to be exposed to. It's like, no, yeah. we need to talk about and have the words. Just like, again, when my child, if something is bothering her vagina, I want her to say to me, my vagina hurts, or it's itchy, or I want them to, or someone touched my touched me there. I want them to be able to have those words. And it's the same yes. thing with pornography. They need to just have that simple. And again, if you're talking about it like this, then they're going to have all kinds of weird reactions. But if it's, you're going to see it. It's called yeah. pornography, you know, then that that calm way of talking. Love it.
1: Them. Um, I just want to say really quick, thank you for saying that because we got a lot of flack that we taught our kids like proper names and educated them about what improper touch, you know, from someone unwanted touch, that type of thing. Um, but our kids wouldn't have come and told us that they were sexually abused had they not known what it even was. And so exactly. um, and it's not
3: because it's important for parents you're not stealing innocence. Okay. Not having the words and not having the tools to speak about it. That is what steals innocence and hurts children. Being able to name it, that's having the words, that's knowledge that is empowering. Great. That's yes. That's not that's a, anything to do with taking beautiful. their innocence. So. That's, that's a good way to
0: put that, Dina. I, yeah. I, I say that all the time, but I've never heard it put that way. And that's a really good way to put it. You know, I hear all the time like, well, I don't want to like plant ideas in their heads and you know, all of that mm-hmm. stuff. But uh, you yeah. know, yeah. yeah. And you'll, you'll
3: hear, you'll, I'm sorry, go ahead. You'll hear that forever. I hear that and it's, I know. It's like we were born curious. It's called mm-hmm. biology. And we're sexual. Um, yes. Yeah. And that's how we have survived as a human species. That is how we discovered electricity and all these maver- marvelous things. It's by being curious. Your kids are going to be curious no matter what, whether you teach them these words or the school, kids on the schoolyard teach it to them. Yes. We want them to be curious. Curiosity is not bad or evil. It's something that we need to embrace and encourage and teach our kids the right ways to learn and do research.
2: Does that so. also speak to, Dina, their readiness to learn? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Their Absolutely. curiosity.
3: Absolutely. Because
2: um, if they're, I mean, if I know for sure that I was the curious kid. But when there wasn't any information, when there wasn't any content um, that my parents shared with me, then I came to my own conclusions. Not because I was like, "Well, they're not going to tell me," then I'm going to do it. Just I came to my own conclusions. I just so happens to be that I was a kid who came to conclusions on the playground rather than in a conversation with my parents. And 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 again, this is my own experience. Is exactly why we love what you've done with with these with a series of books, but but specifically um with this book uh it, it is so empowering for me to think about because i don't have to have the answers and i think that's one of the conversations mm-hmm. actually like you've had a, you and i've had a lot is i don't have to know i don't have to be the expert and that has what has that's what's kept us from having the conversation is because it's like i don't know mm-hmm. but your books have have been have been super helpful so ash what are some what are some things that are front of mind for you as um. it relates to this this whole book this arena
1: yes well okay so kobe and i we have um two of your books that we keep in the car and just my driver's side or sorry passenger side and when we go on like a drive for that's maybe like 30 minutes long i just take it out it's you know they're one page chapters they're very short um but they have um questions to ask the kids and you know what words have you heard lately um that you're curious about and it always Every single time sparks such great conversation. And um, yesterday we did one on a drive, and I said, Are you guys okay if I read this book? And they're like, Yeah, like, no problem, let's do it. And it's not this icky, weird thing, but it's also, there's no eye contact. Like, they feel really safe there in the back seat. And when they ask those questions that are a little bit like, Oh, Okay. Yeah. They don't see my reaction. We just go into it and Hey, I don't, maybe I don't know that answer. Um, I was very open and honest that I was learning things with them, um, in the 30 days of sex talk because, and that's sad. I'm 40, but it's true. And that's, that's where we were with that. Legit,
2: I had no idea that females could have wet dreams like males do.
3: Yeah. That was, that was total (laughs) news to me. Yeah. No. And I've heard, I've, we've, we've heard that from a lot of parents and that's why like in the book, there's such an extensive glossary. Yes. I've had so many people say the glossary is the best part of this book for me because <laughs> I didn't know what to say or I didn't have the right words. And we tried to make it again, really simple instead of mm-hmm. like a medical school text, yeah. but it should, but it, and it should be, I love that you said that it's a safe place and you recognize in your kids that it's just easier in the car. Yeah. And Again, all of us are going to have our place and our time that we have good conversation. When my kids were really little, it was laying down for bed. They always yes. wanted us to lay next to them. Um, we'd read a story and then we would chat about their day or whatever. And sometimes it would go into the perfect lead, you know, lead into a sex talk. Now it's pretty much for us as my kids are all teenagers. It is at the dinner table. You know, we talk about our day and then there are, it's usually something political that comes up, something on the news, a current event, and then um, if it happens to be something that we need to talk, you know, about something that's about sex. But yeah, there's a, and there's a lot of stuff that was not even on the horizon because, again, there is so much continuing research with sex. So our parents, I'm sure, certainly didn't know that a female could have a wet dream. Our, our parents certainly never thought to talk about anal sex. But that is a thing, not just because it is culturally popular, but again, because porn has made it so popular that our kids are wondering, oh, is this something that needs to be part of my repertoire or whatever? Because not just boys, but girls are seeing so many different things that they think, oh, I need to act like this, or this is okay, this is sexy. So we need to be able to reframe it into intimacy, Mm-hmm. And, you know, that you're going to have the best sex, the research shows the best sex happens in a committed relationship. These things that you can help your kids, again, understand it, not just as an act that they're going to see in porn, but in the the bigger picture. And how what a great reflection it is of a relationship and how amazing how it can bring you closer, all those things that they are not gonna get in media or in porn. And so that's, that's why we're probably the only set of sex talks books written that started as an organization that was anti-pornography. Do you know what I mean? Most sex talks books are written from um, a therapist or a medical perspective where they're just like, everything is okay. Hey, have whatever, do whatever, no problem. Whereas we came from it as, whoa, this is not healthy. This is hurting people, families, and our culture. Let's approach sex with showing the opposite of what is going on and being taught in porn. You know, I don't know any other sex book that is written from that perspective. And that's something that we have really tried to do in combating porn is, okay, let's talk about all the awesome things and help our kids be prepared for what they're going to see And be able to have that context so that when somebody approaches them, whether that's a boyfriend or a husband approaches them for oral sex or anal that they can go, Oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Or is this really being done in love? Is this something special? Or am I being used as an object? So again, You might not have that discussion with your kids when they're young but they but those all of these conversations are those building blocks you know one of the big discussions in here is about respect you know about in the 12 plus book abusive relationships versus healthy relationships man that's a conversation i wish i had had as a teenager or known, I was so yeah. un, I was so unknowledgeable that I didn't even know what the difference was. And again, watching my parents in an unhealthy mm-hmm. marriage and divorce, you know, I thought you whenever you were mad, you had to raise your voice. Yeah, I thought and that was how it was. You know, so we've
1: had these conversations. I think like what two weeks ago in the car about. I wish I had known to tell my mom, hey, this relationship I'm having with a boy, he's mean. He says yeah. really mean things to me, and that's not okay. But because he was my boyfriend i just stayed and so uh this these books continue to bring up the conversations that i know we can have on our own but this creates those experiences for us and helps us to get there where maybe on our own it would be all over the place you know
3: yeah Yeah, i mean we did try to do it in a progressive way and in the how to talk to your kids about pornography it's done in a progressive way but that's by no means means that that's the right place to start or stop. Mm-hmm. Again, because all of our kids are going to have had different levels levels of exposure to pornography. They're going to have different ages and development. But I think it's important that they all have some sort of understanding a definition and they need to have some kind of plan for when they are exposed. You know, even that whether that's as a teenager and their your, your friends are showing it to them. You know, my son, one of the reasons we left the high school we were at, we were at a living in a kind of a wealthy area in Texas and we felt very strongly very you know prompted that we needed to get our kids out of Mm. this area a lot of permissive parenting but my son you know was shown you know girls were passing around their nudes so incredibly and my son was being shown you know friends nude photos and I'll, I'll look at my girlfriend you know right in the middle of class and uh So there had to be a, we had to have a discussion of, well, how do you say that? How do you say I'm not interested or no thanks? You know, is that something that you're going to be like, get that out of my face? Or are you going to say, no, no, dude, that's cool. I I don't need to see that. Having that plan is really empowering, really helpful to a kid. We call it a run plan in our books to get away from it. One of the big pieces of that, though, is discussing it with your parents. Because again, kids don't understand it you know, they might feel they'll feel that simultaneously, they might see porn and be simultaneously traumatized and turned on. Mm. And That's a very confusing feeling for a kid. Um, And they, they need to be able, we need to be able to sort, sort through that with them.
0: Yeah, I think there's this really kind of tricky nuance to it, which is, um, you know, growing up, I was told don't look at porn. Like don't, porn's bad. Don't do that. Don't. It's you know, and and it's like there's this paradoxical nature to talking to your kids about porn because in some way, um, the the parent you know if you're listening to this and you're thinking oh I gotta have that talk about porn with my kids and tell them like hey like you shouldn't look at porn that is not what Dina is saying. Dina is saying somewhat of the opposite, which is you know what like you need to go be very open and talk comfortably about pornography and, and, and what it is so that your kids can continue a dialogue and a discussion that's ongoing and feel safe when they do come across it because they're going to come across it. Absolutely. So instead of saying don't come across it or don't view <laughs> it or don't see it's it's saying you will see it yeah. and when you see it, you can talk to me about it because I'm comfortable to talk to, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I know that my kids have been surprised. Well, even at the beginning, but they are, whenever they would bring something up that they, that I knew about it already. Do you know what I mean? That Uh they, they would talk about something they had heard about. And it's because the, um, the top searched porn terms, which are the things that are most fed, right? Like a YouTube video, a popular YouTube video is going to come at you. The more it's watched, the more it's going to be served up to people right as a thing to possibly watch it's the same thing with pornography so these these popular search terms that i was been, that i've been very aware of so my kids might mention something and i'd be like oh yeah but then i would kind of also tell them the real meaning of it mm-hmm. or what was really wrong with it you know and how it's not okay you know especially um one of the most po- you know popular and it's it's been popular for decades is say uh, incest porn, right? That in the Mm -hmm. old days, it was daddy, daughter, daddy, stepdaughter kind of things. But now that has switched and we're seeing mom, stepson kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And that I, to me, it it was, you know, this is a disgusting thing. But I also knew I needed to say to my kids, this is not right. You need to know that these are the types of things out there. And not only is it exploitive of the people in it, but that this is, um, this is something that is not cool, it is not sexy, that this is something that is so harmful in real life, mm-hmm. that they're making it cute and okay, but that this is so destructive to a child or a teenager that it is abusive and it is wrong and that is why it is criminal. And I remember just, again, having a simple conversation like that with my kids, and it was like, oh, because again, it's like the same thing. When we were kids and we saw something R-rated, again, the music was there, the context that, in our minds, it was sexy, right? Or, oh, that's what you do during sex. It's the same thing for our kids watching this. Oh, oh, you, I might find my, my cousin or my aunt sexy. No, that's not okay that it's okay to be curious, it's okay to see that somebody is attractive, but we're not going to ever find our mother or our stepmother sexy, that that's not okay. So there's those, there are those conversations where we have to let them know that, again, well, they are, they're showing these devious things that are not okay.
1: Yeah. In the book, you have a section on sex trafficking, um, which is a huge part that's you know, become more and more um, out there to help people understand the negative sides of pornography. And so I think that's important that you put that in there, that it's not just like porn is bad, don't watch it. But it's like, let me explain what's going on here.
3: Absolutely. Because they're not that, showing. <laughs> that, that, that is my big thing is show, giving them that big picture. So when they're little, yeah, if you see this, come tell me, super simple. But again, as they get into that middle school, high school age, you want them to know what's really going on. That, yes, that this is just videotaped prostitution. That these girls, you know, that they're getting that are barely 18 are being exploited, that they have managers who are really pimps, and also that what they're teaching is hateful. You know, pornography is one of the few places left in our culture where racism is totally celebrated, right? Mm -hmm. Where you can make fun of or degrade any other culture, and where women are treated like garbage. But again, like it's celebrated in this. But so I'm not going to have that discussion with a seven-year-old. But an 11, 12-year-old, I might start discussing that to let them know, you know what, like this is not to make you feel ashamed and that you're a bad person if you like this or if you have seen it and you felt turned on. But you need to know that these people that are in it are human beings. And that is a very mature discussion. And basically, that's one of those... Like enlightening discussions you can have with your kids that helps click it over. It's kind of like when you realize when you're watching a commercial that everything is being airbrushed or that those are actors having such a great time with their Barbie or their Hot Wheels cars, right? When you realize, oh my gosh, that's fake. It's this that same kind of click that you want your kids to have because that's when they can hopefully start seeing it in, say, an academic or a more objective way, instead of just like, this is something that turns me on, or, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like, that is, that's crazy, you know? They are seeing it as, whoa, there's something else bigger going on, that there is a very dangerous message Mm -hmm. that we want our, especially our middle schoolers and teenagers to really understand. Because again, that sets them up for knowledge in all sorts of other realms, especially with social media and and their advertising. But Dina,
0: I think you you do got to be careful with, um, I I think there's a, like to do both of these things at the same time, which is, hey, that's dangerous. That's not okay. Um, (coughs) But at the same time, if they felt aroused and they liked it, and you're saying that's bad, you shouldn't like it. Like what you don't wanna do is push them further underground. What you, you don't wanna say, that's bad, if you, you know, and then they feel like, well, I must be bad because I like that. Yeah. So, so you have to do two things. You have to really acknowledge that it's normal and okay to be aroused. And, Absolutely. and, and that, that stuff is actually designed to arouse them and excite them, and mm-hmm. it's bad and absolutely. it causes problems yeah. so both those things have to be there in order in order for the education to be very effective oh absolutely
3: yeah. and it's important and also to help them understand the difference between guilt and shame yes you know, that that shame is not healthy and helping kids understand that shame is that feeling of i'm a terrible person Yeah. versus guilt is I need. I made a mistake, and I need to fix this. Helping them because that is, and that's a, that's a tool. That's something you can teach kindergarten on to start those building blocks. Because all of us have faced it, right? All of us right. have felt that. And and uh, from a, I'm I'm a religious person, and you know I try to teach my kids that is not from God. God doesn't use shame. That is another. That is another um, influence. That there is no reason why me as a parent that I love you I ever want you to feel shame and so I really appreciate you bringing that up that it is very important to help our kids know like this is absolutely designed to make you aroused that Mm -hmm. they are experts Just like a surgeon might be an expert at doing a particular surgery because he's done it a thousand times. These are people that have been creating this, involved in this for years, if not decades. And they are experts at knowing exactly how to get you aroused and even to orgasm within eight to ten minutes, right? So that they have it down to a literal science and so, with using algorithms and such, so I think that's super important, and that's where you might even lead into a conversation about uh, masturbation, because again, that's something that most kids feel ashamed about, and it—I don't think it should be that way. Mm-hmm. And so, again, can you that, speak to that? Well, yeah. I,
1: I just want to say all Go these ahead. things are in your books, right? We do talk about yes. shame and guilt. We do talk about masturbation, consent, pleasure, which are things. I'll be honest, we did not start with those things because it was like, I'm just going to educate. And educate is just
3: like, don't do it. <laughs> um, but there's a lot more that goes into it. Yeah. And that's why they are divided into a three to seven, an eight to 11, and a 12 plus. You know, I'm not, we don't talk about pleasure with, uh, Three to seven-year-olds and eight to ten-year-olds. I mean, the lesson in the eight to eleven-year-old is children do not have sex yeah. is one of the lessons. Unfortunately, that we have to have, right? But the talking about pleasure and all those positive aspects are definitely more in the twelve plus book because it's to me that's super important. I want I want my kids to have great sex lives, mm-hmm. um, and I hope. Other parents want that for their kids too. You're going to be my in-laws someday. So, please. <laughs> so um, but talking Dina, about masturbation, go ahead. Sorry.
2: Yeah, no, but, but there's a question even before we get to masturbation, which is um, if, if I'm a parent who says, I know that I've got to have these conversations with my kids and I want to empower my kids with knowledge but I also recognize that I have my own shame surrounding this arena or maybe specific parts of this arena that really make me pump my brakes. Um, What is your message to that parent who recognizes that they do have shame about a specific topic in this arena um, who doesn't want to project their own shame onto their kid? Because shame is as genetic, I guess maybe not even not genetic, but contagious as, you know, anything uh, in a family, right, behaviorally. Yeah. So what what would you say, what would you share to parents who don't want to project their own shame onto their kids?
3: That's a, that's a really great question. And so for me, I actually learned this from working. I did a retreat with, uh, I think it was the Light Keepers years ago. It was a betrayal trauma group. And it was actually in my interaction with them that I realized that, the for me at least, the best way was to journal it and to kind of really think about what are those things that I maybe had shame about, because all of us have something, and it might just be tiny, you know, it might, because that's also what I have found. In speaking to parents at different conferences or speaking events, when I talk one-on-one with a parent and, I, and we discuss what are those things that are very uncomfortable for you, or the shameful things, it is usually only one or two things maybe at three or four max. But again, I think we let that build up in our heads, just like our kids might let that build up if they've seen something and they don't want to, we make it so much bigger than it is. Mm -hmm. But once you sit down and really think about it, you know, maybe you go through the topics on our website, we have tons of free things that will help you think about different topics of sex. So you don't necessarily have to go buy the book. But there are things that you can kind of go, okay, you know, Is it LGBTQ issues? I'm not ready to talk about. Is it masturbation? Is it orgasm? What are these things that I'm not ready to talk about, but, and why, or what are the things that I am really nervous about? Once you've kind of written it down, or maybe had a discussion with your partner, it really helps you to kind of concisely figure out what those things are, you know, and, uh, it also is just a good exploration, I think, for us as individuals to kind of realize, well, where did we get our messages from sex? You know, I bring up R-rated movies because I think as a teenager, I mean, I, I was able to kind of figure out the things that really created some patterns for me or, the thing, or beliefs about sex from those movies, you know? And I think, oh my gosh, like in a way for me, it was like hilarious to see some of the things that I took as truth. Mm -hmm. Because I had seen it. Um, And so I think as you analyze some of these things, one, it'll become less prominent, but then you'll also see the things that, okay, well, what would help me to build up to that topic? You know, I, I didn't start out these talks talking about masturbation, you know, that came later you know, sexting or, you know, sharing nudes wasn't a thing because my kids were five and six. So I'm not going to start there, but those are definite conversations I have to have later when they are, when they became older. So that to me is, is first, the big thing is to find out, you know, where you're at with that conversation, like, you know, where, where your shame is. And then, um, but I think it's also okay to tell your kids I don't have all the answers or, you know, whoa, I, made, whoa, whoa, I made some whoa. Are mistakes. Are you serious? Serious. Totally serious.
2: No, 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 no. That, that's like, but, but we know when bedtime is and we know what the rules are and we know what isn't, isn't okay in our house seriously
0: yeah. you really want me what happens my when kids, you, i don't have all the, the answers. answers like me
3: so, so what i so <laughs> <just> now <laughs> in, in the old days though in the when my kids were really little i would say let's go look that up together uh, but we don't do that anymore yeah. because you're gonna come <laughs> you're across gonna see stuff <laughs> so i i have had a just a well i mean I have only had this a couple times, honestly, because I've studied a lot about sex. And it's a topic I have always been interested in, let's say. Um, and so, but um, the couple of times I have said, you know, I'm going to look that up and I'm going to get back to you tomorrow. And then you absolutely have to get back to them. Because I do not believe in, I'll tell you when you're older.
1: Yeah.
3: For me, if my kids have asked the question, they're ready to hear the they're answer, ready. including Very the true. one including the one time my nine-year-old was standing behind me and didn't, I didn't realize it. And I said the words oral sex to a friend of mine. We were talking about uh, Monica Lewinsky and her Ted talk that she had given. And uh, he said, what's mom, what's oral sex? And I said, well, we better go have a discussion about that. So I excused myself from my friend, but I knew my 11 year old didn't know the answer. Didn't know that either got my husband and we had a discussion. And this, this nine-year-old is, this, is the genius who always asks questions also like, so mom, what other types of sex are there? So- That's we t- brilliant.
2: So because we told- of, Because the fact that there was a question that followed the answer that you already gave him. Yeah. Which, which okay, so, so I think that's, that's an important point on this is, is for parents who are listening, It's oh, it, it's a good thing if, the kids continue to ask questions. So it sounds That's like you really big. need to just go into this with the idea that I've got to be prepared to say, I don't know. And I don't have all the answers, but we have resources that we can look at to help understand what these topics are. So yeah. is it, is it also okay to put the message on the table to say this isn't a one-off conversation? This isn't, we're not checking a box here with this sex conversation. But this is a topic that we're going to put on the table and we're going to discuss with whatever regularity is, is, is appropriate for us and we can decide what that is. So that way Absolutely. they know it's just this ongoing open conversation Absolutely. The time they can engage in.
3: I have heard of parents having a jar where kids can write an anonymous question. We've also done things where we've said this is the safe zone, meaning you can ask me any question or tell me anything, and you are not going to get in trouble.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, like I saw this, or, you know, maybe they're going to confess they lied or stole or broke something, whatever. Having a safe zone, I think, is where there's, I'm not, I'm not going to get upset. You can ask me anything. I want you to know that I love you, and I want to hear from you. I, you can ask me anything, because that was kind of the goal that I set out with. And to me, that's an important goal, or excuse me, the point is to have, to have a goal. am I teaching my children to protect them when they're little? Absolutely. As they get older, I need them to know the answers from me, not the schoolyard. But I also, as they've gotten older and before they're getting ready for dating, I want them to know how they should be treated and how they should be treating the people that they date. Eventually with the goal of, I want my kids to have a good, healthy sex life so these are have been my goals as I have done these discussions so it's important to have that but yeah and I it's definitely okay to say I don't have I don't have that answer right now that is a great question and I'm going to look that up and I'm going to talk to you about it tonight at dinner or tomorrow morning but you've got to follow up you have got to that you will lose credit credibility if you don't follow up or if you say I will tell you when you're older I Uh please don't do that you know do better bite the bullet if you're nervous about it Tell your kids about Well, and
1: we've all we've told our kids several times. Like, I wish I had asked my mom that. I wish I had felt safe enough to say these things and to kind of empower them to keep asking. It's okay, um, because Kobe, and I, neither of us did um, ask anything, and there wasn't Google back then. So it really was just, "Hey, do you know what this is?"
3: <laughs> Which is not great. Yeah, I mean, I remember in junior high explaining things. To girlfriends and being like, I cannot believe their parents haven't told them this. Like it was so shocking. I remember being at BYU as a freshman and we're sitting around a bunch of girls talking and somebody said the word orgasm and the girl next to me said, what is that? And I remember even then going, your parents have failed you, that you're 18 <laughs> years old and you don't know what this is. Now, this is 20 yeah. years ago when sure, I sure. went to BYU, but still, I know that those, those kids still exist. And yeah. that is definitely something that happens in various, not just Christian cultures and Muslim cultures and various cultures. We have this, and I, it's, it, those days are numbered though, but we have a lot of girls coming up, getting ready to get married, and they have a boyfriend or husband that has been looking at porn for years and years and then we have this that disconnect happening now those but that's that's going to be different i i already sensed that for my my 17-year-old son he's not going to face that nearly as much the girls mm-hmm. will be just as unfortunately just as porn literate yeah. as uh the boys at, when that, that when they get married in their mid late 20s whatever
2: wow well i i mean i think this has been just enormously helpful um by way of discussion um and I, and I think, again, the real, the real key behind all of this for us was knowing that, number one, your content, Dina, allows us to not be the expert. <laughs> um, your content is, is short and it's easily consumed. Um, we also know that um, it can foster additional questions to which we don't have to have answers for, but because there's glossaries like you've talked about, <laughs> then we can easily find those. And and have those conversations and um and, and my hope is that anybody who's listening, who's like I don't even know where to start, I don't even know where to start, um, can can find you online and we'll get to that in just a second and just say okay where do I where do I need to where do I need to start what do I need mm-hmm. in order to get these discussions going because ultimately we want our kids to be as prepared as they can be to face life but this is going to be a huge part of someone's life especially if it's not talked about and they become a kobe yeah. where it's just kind of all consuming unbeknownst to their parents because of because of ignorance yeah well so, yeah.
1: when we're not saying something we're still saying something yeah. right so absolutely we, we might as well get no, it out absolutely there. and
2: that you know where can where can we find you where can our listeners uh find where you live virtually <laughs>
3: virtually. I was like, where I live. Like, What's your address? I'm, I'm yeah. in New Mexico, the land yeah. of enchantment. Um, but yeah, no, so we are at educateempowerkids.org. We are also on Instagram and Facebook, Edu Empower kids. Um, All of our books are available on Amazon. So we have the three 30 days of sex talks for ages 3 to 7, 8 to 11, and 12 plus. Cool. We have, um, like we already mentioned before, the how to talk to your kids about pornography. And then most recently, we've come out with a book called Conversations with My Kids, 30 Essential Family Discussions for the Digital Age. And in it, we talk about social media, we of course hit on pornography, but we also talk about everything else that basically our parents didn't have to worry about. There are discussions about racism, there are discussions about terrorism, there are discussions about integrity, you know, finding joy, you know, overcoming fears, some of these things that um, I, I think our parents relied on the school system to teach and things that we certainly cannot rely on um, but I really hope all the parents listening realize uh, like Kobe said you don't have to be an expert our kids just need to know that we care and we love them they are not going to listen to a word we say unless we have conveyed that first mm-hmm. and that like uh, uh, that our their curiosities are normal they are biological that all of us have curiosity that it's natural to want to see naked people and that um, that all of the parents that you can do this, whether your kids are little or old. There's, I think if you did look at the books, you will find that there's some things that you've already covered mm-hmm. and that should be a comfort to you. And then start <laughs> totally. and then and then move on from there. You know, a yes. lot of this for the younger kids is protective information. Um, I'm sure a lot of us are realizing, you know, 90% of sexual abuse happens from people we know, not from strangers. And so that's why, again, it is so important to have these conversations when they're very young and then help them, especially before they're exposed to pornography, not when they already have a problem with it. Right.
1: Thank you. Thanks,
0: Dina. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you so much.
3: All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
0: We'll see you.